everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm here with Will Rogers at Sonoma Raceway. Will, who just won the K&N race a day before, now we're overseeing Victory Lane. You weren't in the race today. I bet you could have done quite well based on how you beat the Cup guys the other day. But, uh, Will, how are you? I'm good, man. Thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it was definitely an exciting race to watch. I wish I was in it, obviously, like you said. Our uh, success yesterday would have hopefully had us somewhere inside the top ten. Yeah, well, I mean, you beat a lot of guys who finished uh, quite well today. You beat Suarez and Jones yesterday. They had good races today. You beat Bowman, Almirola. And uh, what's it like for you to have just defeated them in a race, and then you're out there watching them? Are are you thinking to yourself, like, "Mm, I think I could do this? Yeah, I mean, part of me is for sure. And then the other part of me is that says that I need to get some more experience. I need some more seat time underneath me. I need more of a, an adjustment into the bigger series, like a cup series, obviously. Um, you know, Kevin Harvick's definitely said uh, aloud to the media that if I was to be put in good equipment, um, I'd probably run inside the top 10 on any given road course. Uh, that's definitely flattering, but I want to make sure that you know, before I get to that point, I'm ready. Um, it's definitely cool to see, though. I mean, being able to race with Eric Almirola yesterday, Eric Jones, um, William Byron, Daniel Suarez, those guys put on a great show. Unfortunately, we couldn't race against Alex Bowman. He blew up early in the race. But uh, it was definitely gratifying to, to kind of race against those guys and, and walk away, you know. Yeah. Well, let's get more into your um, story in a little bit. But let's first take the matter at hand, which is the Sonoma race. Uh, pretty cut and dry in some ways, although it was a little bit complicated strategy-wise. I mean, when a guy wins by 20-whatever seconds, I don't see the scoring monitor in front of me, but um, it's pretty obvious what happened here. Uh, it looks like the four car was going to be the best car. I mean, he was controlling yeah. the race. And then uh, Cole Pern made this amazing strategy move where he had everybody up on the wall and was telling Truex to pit. Uh, He's saying, pit, 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 pit next lap. Truex stays out. Ronnie Childers, he acknowledged after the race, just talked to him on pit road. He bit on it. You know, he took the bait. Yeah. He calls Harvick in. Unfortunately, that messed up their strategy, and Truex then stays out nine more laps, has the fresher tires, and it's a tire management race. He's able to completely blow by Harvick, catch him rather quickly, and at that point, Harvick had to pit again to try a Hail Mary, yep. and that's it. It was a, it was a snooker trick play, essentially. Totally. I, I've personally never seen that happen before, and actually, my buddy Elijah and I were walking around. We were watching the race from different angles, and I didn't actually get a chance to listen in uh, today, but... I did realize what happened afterwards, and and it was kind of incredible to look back and say, wow, I can't believe they actually got kind of, you know, like you said, snookered into something like that. Um, They obviously had something like that in their playbook, and and they knew exactly how to work on it. Unless Turex just knew he wanted to stay out for nine more laps, I I don't know if that's that's the case. But uh, it was definitely interesting to see. Four car was definitely dominant. Um, was really hoping in those latter later laps there uh, winding down that there was going to be yellow so we'd have you know more or less a drag race to the end um, I think the four would have definitely uh, figured out a way to, to go to the point of the field and that would have been neat um, but still 78 did a great job uh, 78 team did a great job obviously Cole Pern knows what he's doing and and uh, ended up being yeah pretty cut and dry race but pretty good to watch too I can't even remember like the last time where there was such a strategy race like openly strategic race where it was like i mean sometimes you have okay yeah this guy took two tires oh great call on the pits at the end with you know late in the stage and, th- and that uh that got them to the win but this was like they completely duped another team into changing their strategy rodney said afterwards man I, you know i was preaching all week just run our own race i wish we would just turn the scanners off i mean they they got panicked a little bit and instead of splitting the stage in half um 
that that made all the difference. How can you give us a sense of the how fast the tires wear here when you're when you're running out there like you did yesterday, and and how important that is to to save that as far as speed. Yeah, our tires a little bit different. We run the right sides that they usually run in the Cup Series at Martinsville and a few other short tracks. Okay. I believe the Cup guys run a little bit of a softer compound, so. Uh, I would guess that their tires fall off a little bit faster, but yesterday was definitely pretty drastic when it came to, to fall off and, and having to manage them. Really, coming from a bias ply tire last year, these radials are polar opposite, in my opinion. Uh, they fall off, but they hit this plain field, and they stay from about lap 4 until about lap 30 when they start to cord in the same exact spot. Um, we might lose a little bit of time and a little bit of grip over the time when, when the track gets more greasy and the tires just warm up more. But uh, the bias ply, they typically have their three or four really good hot laps, and then they have a steady decline of, uh, of fall off. So that's the big difference between them. Um, the other big difference from saving perspective is <clears throat> you can't, if you overheat these radials, they don't come back. Hmm. With the bias ply, they're a little bit more forgiving. You can overheat them once, maybe twice, and you'll still have grip in the tire if you know how to cool it down. Uh, but those things will bite you in the butt if you do it the wrong way. Um, but as far as uh, strategy and stuff that we experienced yesterday, trying to compare to what you said or what Rodney said and running their own race, that's exactly what we did. Okay. Um, there was a lot of stress really in the beginning of the day actually starting practice day knowing that we were the fastest and knowing what the K&N strategy was going to come down to being those two brakes with one set of tires and only so much fuel to, to make it uh, the 64 laps total um, there was a lot of thought going in if we were the leaders everybody else would do the opposite of us because they wouldn't be able to catch us um, and that was in some ways the case but Jeff Jefferson and I and everybody on JPR we agreed Let's just run our own race. Let's pit the way that we want to pit. And I think, uh, unlike the four car, it worked out for us. That sounds so hard, though, because, I don't know, I just feel like if you're in that situation and you see other people doing stuff and you're like, oh, man, I don't know, like this could really bite us. It, it could totally make you question yourself. Can, can you tell me, if, if you had been in the Harvick situation today where you had the fastest car like he did and your crew chief essentially cost you the race, how do you react to that as a driver? I don't think you can react too harshly. I mean, he still he still ran second. He still ran a great race. They had the fastest car in the field. Everybody knew the four car was the dominant car. It just it didn't play out this time. Last year it played out for him, you know, and and not that last year was a huge strategy call like this year, but but they still have the fastest car and they proved that they can win here. Um, you know, if I were Kevin, I'd, I'd take this as a positive for sure and move on. He's still very much in the in the points in the playoffs and and they're still the dominant car of the season in my opinion. So. Um, I'd say just move on to uh, Chicago here coming next week and, and put it past them and see when it comes back to another road course, see what they can muster together for Watkins Glen. Well, I guess in some ways it's a compliment because if another team that's a pretty good team has to basically throw a Hail Mary like Oscar winning performance acting wise in order to beat you and do something different than you're doing, it means you must be doing something right. You know oh, definitely. I mean? <laughs> and, and I think we had a little bit of that experience yesterday. I was racing against the 50 car, 54 car of Suarez and uh, he was definitely one of three or four who could contend for the win. I believe it was me, the 54, um, the 10 and the 24. Seven. Um, those cars were all pretty good. Uh, obviously, all Cup guys except for me. But Suarez was the one who made kind of the hail mary strategy call, and it ended up biting him in the butt in the end. Hmm. Um, but they made it because that was the only way they were going to try to win the race. You know, um, so I can respect it because you know you got to try to do whatever you got to do to win the race, especially in, in NASCAR. Uh, something I said in my press release or my um, 
uh, yeah, press conference yesterday was Rubbin's racing. Um, that's a big part of NASCAR and something you don't see in like sports car racing and stuff like that. Um, but strategy calls are very much part of NASCAR and, and it, it really takes a toll. And, and um, I think it makes it exciting, you know? I'm kind of curious about that, though, because like Rodney seemed to say like he was kind of giving a hat tip to them and didn't feel like I mean, he wasn't saying like that's that's such BS. That's so cheap that they did that. I mean, it was sort of like, hey, they did what they had to do. I guess competitors or racers, they look at it and they're like, you do whatever it takes. You you, if if it takes kind of snookering the other team, that's what you got to do. He wasn't standing up and screaming, wow, what a cheap shot. I mean, it's not that's not viewed as a cheap shot. No, 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 I don't think so. That's Mm -hmm. true sportsmanship, in my opinion. And that's very much who I am um, as a driver and who I like to reflect. Uh, Sportsmanship is is very important, I believe. When you're known as a guy who just um, belittles other people or or tries to shoot them down for something that they um, found, you know, progress in or or a win in or something like that, I don't think it's good for anybody. It's not good for their brand, your brand, NASCAR's brand. Um, So when you're evenly beat, you know, which they were, nobody cheated. They just just ran their own race and and did their own strategy, obviously. Um, I think they deserve a pat on the back no matter – uh, who they beat, and I and I commend Rodney for for definitely um, saying uh, you know good race and and you got us this time. Well, this has been a really interesting, weird NASCAR season so far because there's only been six winners still, um, and we're now 16 races I think into the season, six winners, and obviously between Harvick, Kyle, and Truex now, and I guess you throw Boyer in that as well, um, they're hogging all the wins. It's really crazy. I mean. Um, I guess, first of all, do you see any of those as the favorite uh, over one guy? And who is the other guy, aside from the big three, that you think can get up there and start competing with those guys? Um, my my estimation probably won't be as good as like yours or somebody else who follows the Cup Series as well. Um, but I say, you know, everybody thinks Harvick's on top right now, as the 78 was last year. I think it all goes in waves. Um, Toyota was on top last year. Now it's Ford. Uh, He's definitely the favorite, in my opinion, not just because I'm a little biased in some ways, but as far as another guy who might be able to come in and and win, um, you know, I'd like to say maybe Chase Elliott. I mean, Mm. he's been having some really good runs, obviously. Uh, And again, this is just me not following the series as well as some others. Some people might disagree with me. Um, But from the outside, kind of looking in, Chase has been running really well and really consistently. I think he finished somewhere in the top 10 today um, and obviously ran towards the front. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time. Not that I'm the the biggest number nine follower or supporter, um, but I kind of see him making more and more progress and more and more strides to go to victory lane here. Um, I don't really know there's too much more to talk about with this race today because it was kind of of cut and dry, I guess. But... um, Let's so let me ask you this each week on the um, on the post race podcast I ask somebody to give me uh, to guess what the percentage is for the was it a good race poll mm-hmm. each week I do uh, I ask people was it a good race I guess we were being too loud <laughs> shut the door on us um, and uh, and I, I ask fans to say yes or no was it a good race um, so what do you think fans will say tomorrow when uh, that that question is answered what what will the percentage of yes be percentage of yes i'd say probably 40 percent. so you don't think they're gonna think it was a great race i don't think so i mean yeah the last 30 laps there it was drawn out yeah and and yeah truex made the right call and and it ultimately won them the race but 
nobody raced for the win. Right. You know, it was just really managing pretty much what I did yesterday at the K&N race. I mean, the last uh, 15 laps to go is the only point in time where the cars were together on the K&N race. And then I pulled away from Amarola and then it was kind of not for me boring, but I'd assume for other people. Mm -hmm. uh, it was probably pretty dreary, you know, and I think today was that. Um, I, I definitely think there were some good restarts today, and, and there was definitely some close quarter action, but at the end of the day, it wasn't uh, a nail-biter, and it wasn't something for fans to get up and cheer about. Um, so I'd say probably 40-60, um, you know, leaning towards it wasn't a great race. Yeah. I, I kind of am going to have to agree with you, I think. Um, I'm not even sure if there was... Was there a caution at all besides the stage I don't think breaks? there was one caution. I mean, not to no, be wrong, but I don't no, think I don't, there was. I don't think there was. I mean, I mean that's that's props to the drivers out there. Yeah. Sonoma is a really tight and technical and rough place to drive around. And not to mention, I mean, it wasn't as hot as yesterday, but it's hot and slick out there. And it's hard to keep the car on the racetrack. And for uh, 40 of them to do that, or 40 plus, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, if any, if anywhere you'd think there would be multiple cautions of guys sliding off the track or making mistakes or whatever, yeah. But um, obviously, if there had been a late caution, I think it'd be totally different because there could have been some absolute craziness. But from what I could tell on Twitter as well, fans weren't really digging the strategy thing. There were some who were like, whoa, cool, neat strategy. But for the most part, people don't care about that. They want to yeah. see like the racing, close quarters racing. Strategy is more like an F1 thing or something. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, um, so I think your 40% is probably going to be fairly close. I might go a little bit higher and just say like 48%. Mm -hmm. I have no re really reason why, but... Um, I think I think that's going to be fairly accurate. Well, in uh, in the last couple minutes we have here, let's talk about you because there, sure. since there wasn't a ton to talk about with racing wise, um, I guess my question is uh, why are you such a butt kicker on road courses? Tell I mean <laughs> you, you obviously have been doing um, road racing since you're young and, and that's your specialty. Um, what what do you uh, attribute that to? Um, I think it's just my my experience in so many different forms of motorsport. I mean, everybody that I raced against, almost everybody that I raced against yesterday, um, they all have the same path. They start in quarter midgets, and they go to bandoleros and, and legend cars, and they just grow up on circle tracks. And if they haven't grown up on circle tracks, they've just done the traditional carts and then got into circle track racing. So they don't have a lot of experience in various types, where I've got traditional go-karts and road course to motocross off-road to sports cars and now to stock cars i attribute a lot of my success to just being versatile like that hmm. um, understanding many different forms um, from go-karting you learn how to be smooth and consistent from motocross you learn how to be extremely aggressive and and read terrain and i'd say probably the same thing for off-road uh, sports car racing you learn how to be fast you just need to figure out how to completely ring the neck of of whatever kind of race car you're driving and whatever kind of racetrack you're at um and then stock car racing you just learn how to control a big boat that you're driving around pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you with a ton of power and like no tire so um i think all of those combinations really help on a road course especially at a place like sonoma because it's it's so technically difficult there's no grip the terrain is all over the place with elevation and curbs and and uh, all kinds of stuff getting thrown at you so i, I kind of attribute just my old overall experience in in motorsport to to my success but when it comes to the short-term things that i've learned for stock car racing um the the basics are staying on the racetrack staying as consistent as possible the least mistakes um and then <coughs> excuse me just thinking ahead um a lot of guys in circle track racing in my opinion up until this point with my experience it's kind of all reaction hmm. and i think road course is all prediction if you can predict or anticipate um, or just plan ahead. That's what 
I think I have above a lot of those other guys. And when I passed guys like Suarez and Jones and Amarola yesterday, it wasn't a, a late rate a late reaction. It was just, okay, I'm in turn one on this lap, but by turn 11, I'm going to pass him. I was thinking 10 to 11 corners ahead. Um, now, that's not always very easy to do, and it's it's when you are able to really size yourself up against competition and not have to worry about anything else. But um, a lot of those passes are just methodical. So I think that's what it really uh, comes down to. But, uh, but now that we've got the Sonoma win, which was the one that I wanted, I didn't want any other race. Uh, we got it in the bag. Now I have to go in on circle track. So I've got to learn how to do what I think of the polar opposite and be more of a reaction and um, learn how to how to win on those tricky uh, tricky circles. And you're running full time in ARCA, is that correct? No, I'm oh. I'm part time in every oh, series that I've run. So okay. ARCA and then Canaan East and West. So gotcha. So um, you're dabbling in each. Yes. Is that right? Dabbling okay. in those. Um, we weren't able to secure a full season this year, but that's not a problem because what we really wanted to do was get the experience where we really needed it and then take advantage of the races where we could, you know, like the road courses mm-hmm. really excel. So, so what do you have to do better than on an oval track to catch some of these guys? I think what it comes down to on a circle track is unlike road course where I'd say equipment and driver are 50 50, um, for, for how well you do as far as effort goes on a circle track, I'm leaning towards the 80, 20, the 80 is for the equipment. Um, I think, learning how to set up a car properly from practice time to qualifying time and going into race time. Um, that's really key. And it's not that I don't think I've been doing a, a fine job. Um, I have a lot of really great people around me. I think I just need to learn how to elevate our efforts just a tick more because we've had great second place finishes on on circle tracks, third places, lots of top fives and top tens. I think that we're steadily building momentum and and we have a lot of progress we just have yet to see that checkered flag for the first time so i think we're close it just just a little bit more for me to learn and grasp especially in these bigger tracks with uh air and i think we'll be there you're listening to nascar next driver will rogers will where can people find you on twitter uh twitter is at will rogers 65 um, followed with by a D. yes with a D followed by Jeff Cluck so if you look at his <laughs> followers or who he's following I've got that follow um, but uh, on Instagram I'm at Will Rogers underscore and then on uh, Facebook it's just Will Rogers so okay. you can look me up for the fan page and like it and follow along awesome Will thank you so much for agreeing to do this I really appreciate you taking the time I know you have a flight to catch but uh, it was fun to break this down with you yeah buddy thank you very much appreciate it everybody else I will talk to you next time Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you later.